Well, good morning, great people. How are you doing today? It's so good to be in the house of God, isn't it? You know why this is called the house of God? Because you came. Hallelujah. That's right, Pastor Dave. It's because we came and we brought him with us this morning. Amen. So we have been, we have been on a journey, haven't we? A very exciting journey over the last four weeks on a topic we've called Soul Matters. And today we're going to be landing, it's the last of the four-week series, and today we're going to be looking at how we attain and maintain a healthy soul. And I've given you a bit of the answer up front, it's by leaning in to God. But before we climb into today's session, I'd like to just do a bit of a quick recap on what we've done over the last three weeks. We started off three weeks ago with Pastor Roger and Pastor Nicola. And they laid some of the basic theological foundations, theological truths. And I don't know how many of you are here, but I was just so touched by Nicola's testimony, where she just shared the journey that she's been on for the last two years, where something that was brought on by a domestic accident at home as she was trying to fix the washing line resulted in something in her neck moving out of shape and causing such incredible pain that it brought her to the depths of depression where at times she was even feeling like, if my life could end, Lord, just please take it away. This pain is too much. And what struck me, folks, as Nicola was sharing, just boldly sharing what she had gone through, what struck me is there's absolutely no shame in admitting that we need help. There's absolutely no shame in saying, God, Father, I'm struggling in an area of my soul, and I'm crying out to you. And even more so, folks, when we're in a family like this one, because when we're in family, it's not just okay, it's expected. I don't want you to carry around stuff to try and think you can deal with it on your own. Together, we can bring these to God and work out a way to have victory. Amen. And then Pastor Simon shared on something, a soul issue that I guess is very, very prevalent in our city. And he dealt with the issue of stress. And again, I love the fact that he was vulnerable and transparent with us because Pastor Simon shared some of the ways that he deals with stress in his life. And the one thing, the part that I loved the most was when he said this, he says, it's okay to say nay. Well, he's more modern than me. He said, it's okay to say no. But I grew up with the King James Version of the Bible. And so that's what I heard. Plus it rhymes. So I thought that was better. And then last week, I don't know how many of you guys here last week, what a treat. Dr. Brendan Belsham shared with us on the topic, topic of anxiety and depression, how to recognize it and how to deal with it responsibly in our lives. And folks, what an absolute pleasure to see somebody that is skilled in the area of neuroscience, who studied it as a doctor, but then is able to take the lens of the word the presence and the power of God and say, this is how we apply it in everyday life. What an absolutely amazing treat. And if you missed last week, get the podcast. I loved what Pastor Sabiwe, when introduced to Pastor Sabiwe, said these words. He said, this sermon is probably on my top five list for 2019, which is a lot because I think if we did a poll, Pastor Siv would be one to four. So, uh, What a treat. So I don't expect to be in the top five today, but hopefully number six, okay? What a pleasure, folks. What a privilege to see the talents, 
the gifts and the anointings that God has given us in this family. And when we see people operating in their sweet spot, it thrills my heart because I say, go God, because that's the kingdom being established right in front of our eyes. Amen. And so today, folks, we're going to wrap things up. And today I want to focus on how to achieve and maintain a healthy soul, how we lean in to God. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to set a bit of a background. I'm going to put a bit of theology in place, and then I'm going to be very vulnerable with you too. And I want to share two testimonies of how God has moved in my life and how He has brought me through practically, teaching me how to lean into Him and see His kingdom established. So what does it mean to lean into God? Well, if we were to take a poll around the room today, I don't think there is any person here that would say, I'm quite certain that I can heal my own soul in my own strength. I think we all know that we can't fix ourselves. We all know that we can't change ourselves. We all know that in our own strength, we are weak, but in His strength, we can achieve all things. We all know that there is not much we can do to make ourselves better because the job is His. Striving doesn't work. Believe me, I've tried. Guilting myself into being a better person doesn't work. It doesn't even make me feel better whilst I'm in the guilting process. But friend, there is one thing that I can do and there's one thing that we can do. And that single thing is that we can make a decision that when we face a crisis, we can make a decision that instead of acting in fear, we can act in faith. We can make a decision that says, God, I trust you and your word. When Peter wrote in his letter, 2 Peter 2.24, he was quoting Isaiah, and what he quoted, he said this, he said, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that he might die to sin, that we might die to sin and live righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. Friend, that scripture tells us that when Jesus Christ gave his life on Calvary, when he rose again, not only did he save us from sin, but he saved us from sickness too. Which means that I deal with sickness the way that we deal with all sickness, whether it be mental sickness or physical sickness. If I get diagnosed with a mental illness, it's the same as if I was diagnosed with cancer. What do I do? The first thing I do is I face the facts. I don't pretend that it's not there. I don't go, I'm okay. I don't have cancer. I'm not sick. I go, Lord Jesus, I've got cancer. I might go and seek the best medical advice and help out there that I can afford. And we should do that. But I don't only do that because what I also do is I say, God, I know that your word is true. And God, whether you use doctors or whether you use a miracle, God, I'm trusting you for healing in my body. Amen? And if I've got a mental sickness and a mental illness, I have the same process. If I'm suffering with depression, I go and get the medical help that I need. But at the same time, I stand on that scripture and I say, God, I know that you gave your son Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. And by his stripes, I have been healed. And we stand on that word and we trust him. So it doesn't matter whether I get it or not. It doesn't matter whether I understand it or not. It doesn't matter whether I think it's fair or unfair. It doesn't matter whether I feel like doing this or not. Because you see, folks, faith is a decision of the heart, not a decision of the head. And when I lean into him, what I'm saying is I'm saying, God, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't know why. But Father, right now I choose 
to lean into you. Right now, I choose to believe you and your word. And I'm saying, Father, make your plans and your promises really my life. And I lean in and I keep leaning in because that's within my control. Now, Dr. Brendan Belsham also shared with us that not all issues of the soul, matters of the soul, are necessarily issues of mental illness or, or issues that, because he, he described to us that for something to become an issue, for something to become a disorder, there needs to be about two weeks of constant and chronic uh, you know, exploitation of this in our soul. And so many of us sitting here might be in that area, but a lot of us are probably not. But I would guess that every single one of us do deal with stress, do deal with anxiety, do deal with disappointments, where we expected God to come through for us in a certain way, and maybe we're currently expecting Him to come through for us in a certain way, and we are just not quite seeing it. We've dealt with pain, like Pastor Nicola did. And we're kind of feeling, God, why? why? Why do I have to carry this burden? And maybe there's bereavement. Maybe you've lost someone very close to you. And maybe you become disillusioned. And these weigh down our soul. And friends, whether this is a mental illness and disorder or whether this is just a matter of the soul, we deal with it the same way. We lean into God. We say, Father, have your way in our lives. Father, I choose to believe. Father, I choose to say yes to you and your word, and your promises. So now I want to get a bit of personal, and I want to share two testimonies from my life. When I was a young boy, I guess like many young teenage boys, I idolized my daddy. I idolized my father. He was my hero. He was my closest friend. He was the rock. He was the standard in my life. In my eyes, he was perfect. In my eyes, when I thought of godliness, I had a picture of my dad. I would defend him. I would do anything for him. I loved him because he set for me the standard that I believed was the standard for a godly man, for a great husband and an incredible father. And as a young boy, I thought our family was perfect but it wasn't. Things weren't perfect. And I didn't realize it at the time, but the marriage was coming to an end. And as a 16-year-old, this was an enormous crisis in my life. And so I did what I do, what I think many of us as Christians do. I started bargaining with God. I started kind of saying, God, if you do this for us, if you restore my family, which God, I know you want to do, it would be in your heart to do this. So simply do what I know you want to do, God. I will do this for you. I started standing on God's word and standing on his promises. And I got out, this was one of my favorites, John 15 verse 7. If you remain in me and my word remains in you, you can ask for whatever you want and it will be done for you. And so I did that. I filled, God's, I filled my life with God's word. I started standing on these promises. And I started confirming and believing and exercising my faith to say this marriage will not come to an end. God, you are going to restore what the enemy is wanting to destroy. It. I believed it. I quoted it. I stood on the word. But my dad left. And friends, I want you to know that I was devastated. 
In that moment, the pain that I felt in my soul cut so deep and it was so painful that I did not believe that I would ever feel or know happiness again. When I stood there and I processed the situation and I said, God, I don't get it, Lord. I don't understand it. I've got so many questions. Lord, why? This can't be happening to my family, God. This doesn't happen to my family. Our family is different. Our family embraces your word. Our family embraces your principles. Our family have been going to church before I even knew that there was any other way to spend a Sunday. We would be in church. And I said, God, I don't get this. I don't understand it. God, I don't get it. I've stood on your word. I've exercised your promises. Lord, I don't get it. God, this is not a hard thing for you to fix. You parted the Red Sea. You turned water into wine. Fixing my family, Lord, this is tiny in comparison to the stuff I know you've done and can do. But friends, in the midst of that pain and that heartache and that crisis, as I stand before you now as a 51-year-old man and I look back, at the various peaks of hurt and disappointment in my life, this one stands out as the largest and the most significant. And friend, in the midst of what I felt would be like the end of my life, I want to tell you that God never let go of me. The pain was real. The pain was raw. The questions were alive. Every time I would ask them, it would bring me to tears. This went on for weeks. This went on for months, friends. But through all of these questions, through all this pain, through all this hurt, there was something that I could not shake. And that was that the foundations of God's truth were unmistakable and they were tangible. And these were the foundations that my daddy had helped lay in my life. They were so tangible, friends, that it was impossible for me to ignore them. And in that moment, as emotionally and as physically weak as I felt, I found just enough strength to press into God. Or actually, to be honest, I probably found just enough strength to collapse into God. In that moment where I had all these questions, where all that pain, where I was just feeling like I would never learn love and happiness again, friends, God revealed himself to me in a way that no earthly man, not even a daddy, not even a father could reveal himself to me. He showed me that he was indeed faithful. He showed me that he was indeed loving. He showed me that his promises were true. He showed me that when we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he showed me that indeed all things are added to us. He showed me that that was absolutely true. It was just not true in the way that I'd wanted it to be. And so God didn't give me the answers I was demanding at the time, but he gave me the answers I needed. He showed me that when I'd lost the father, that he'd be a father to me, only a father that's a whole lot more faithful and a whole lot more reliable. And I still have a great relationship with my daddy, but I realized that where he fell short, God was able to come through. Friends, he took the opportunity to access parts of my heart that I'd stubbornly kept from him as a young man. I grew up in a charismatic church, but for some reason, the gift and the baptism of the Holy Spirit wasn't for me. It was for others. I now know that that to be false. God knew that I needed 
to be touched by the gift of the Holy Spirit if I was to achieve what he had called and he had purposed in his heart for me to achieve. And in that state of brokenness, the theological and the thinking and the understanding around how this isn't for everybody just fell away. And in that brokenness of saying, God, I need you and I need all of you just to simply survive, I experienced that transforming power of the Holy Spirit, friends, that radically took my relationship with God from a theoretical level to an intimate level. I would open the Word of God and to texts that would just kind of be interesting, they suddenly became intimate and they spoke straight into my heart. I opened up the book of Timothy, Paul writing to his son Timothy, and it was like Jesus was speaking directly to me. Friends, he transformed my heart and he transformed my life in ways that now that I reflect on, I realize that without that spiritual surgery, I would never have become the man that God has called me to be and the man that the Holy Spirit is still transforming me into being. I experienced firsthand his promise, which had been a theoretical promise up until that point, that when I'm weak, then I'm strong. He changed my worldview on what the kingdom and its culture looks like. He showed me that it's not one of control where I exercise my faith to change the will of others. He showed me that for me to lean into him allows him to work in my life in the same way mom and dad needed to lean into him for him to work in their marriage. And no amount of standing on his word and demanding truth would allow him to override what he had called them to do as he saved them the opportunity to choose whether to lean into him or not. And that changed the way that I saw the kingdom and I saw the way that he rolls out his culture. I saw it as one in which he lovingly engages. He lovingly calls us out and then stands back and says, you decide. Do you want to be the man, the woman that I've called you to be? Do you want to be the husband or the wife that I've called you to be? Do you want to be the mother or the father that I've called you to be? Do you want to be the engineer or the administrator, the security guard, the accountant, the teacher, or the neurosurgeon that I've called you to be? And I saw that once God challenges us, He steps back and gently prompts us with His Holy Spirit, but doesn't override and overrule the decisions that He allows us to make. Friends, it was not God's will for my family to dissolve, for mom and dad to get a divorce. But despite the enemy's plans, God has proven his promise that all things work together for good to those that love the Lord. Amen. And friends, just like when Joseph was before his brothers and they realized that it was Joseph standing before them, he said this to them. He said, what you intended for evil, God intended for good that many lives may be saved. And so friends, I, I stand before you today as a 51-year-old man, and I'm, if I could have changed it in my own strength, if I could have organized it that that marriage did not dissolve, I would have done it. But I stand here realizing that God's plan and God's purpose will still be accomplished, regardless of whether things don't quite work out the way we hope they will around us. And so, Lord, I stand before you today and I say, thank you, Father. Thank you for allowing me to press in, to fall in to choosing for you in that moment and in that time.
because I know that through all of that, you brought me through it. And a crisis that the enemy wanted to use to destroy me, God, you turned around to use for good. Let me give you another one now. And this one is not as me as the victim, but me as the perpetrator. And so maybe in many instances, this is one that's a little even harder for me to share. But it's one that I know God wants me to share this morning. Even though I love the church and I love to preach and I love to disciple, primarily God has called me into the marketplace. Primarily I know that God has called me to establish His kingdom in the marketplace. And so that's where I spend 80% of the time that He has given me. And what we do is we build businesses in natural resources, energy, agriculture, mining. We look for opportunities, and when we find an opportunity, we try and get the right partners together, and we build businesses in that space. In the process of putting these businesses together, sometimes you have struggles with partnerships. And we had a struggle with a partnership. And we realized that this partnership needed to be renegotiated and the terms needed to be reset. Now, I'm not going to focus on that because the testimony that I want to share with you is not about that, but I simply want to give you a context that something developed and we could not agree on how we were going to restructure the relationship and move forward. And in the process of trying to kind of find each other, something happened which stressed us out as a company a lot. The partner we were working with, who was somebody that we'd known for decades, so it was a long-standing relationship, someone who we shared kingdom values with, decided that because we weren't complying with the way they wanted to renegotiate the agreement, they were going to just lock up the cash until we complied with what was going to happen. Now, friends, this shocked us. We, 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 we actually quite couldn't quite believe that this was happening because this is not just kind of some arm's length relationship that's gone wrong. These are kingdom-minded people that have walked together for, for decades. And I couldn't quite figure out. But we had a challenge because cash was running out and the business was coming under strain. It took us two and a half years to finally extricate ourselves from that relationship and have the funds released. But even though the two and a half year process resolved the practical issues, if I can call them that, what I had no appreciation of at the time was the personal impact that that process would have had on my life. And that took a lot longer to materialize and to resolve. So let me start with some of the positives that God had given me and that I think I'd done well on. Having served God for 35 to 40 years, I was not going to fall into the trap of becoming bitter or harbor offense. And so, 10 out of 10, thank you, Jesus, I refused to let that happen. At the same time, when I noticed that the worst that could happen is that we could lose money, a lot of money, but that's the worst that could happen. I focused on what was still good in my life. I focused on, I said, God, regardless, if we lose all of it, and we can't really afford to lose all of it, but even if we do, God, 
I will never lose my relationship with you. And throughout that entire process, I sense God's peace and God's pleasure and God's anointing on my life. And I also realized that even if we lost all of that stuff, what God has done in my family, the closeness, the testimony of his goodness and his faithfulness would never be lost unless I allowed it to be lost. And I said, Lord, thank you. That regardless of all of this, the worst that can happen is the money's gone. But nothing can happen with my relationship with you and with my relationship with my family. And so armed with the spiritual and mental attitude, I embarked on this two-and-a-half-year process, which was physical and emotionally draining. And so I tried to be as rational and as logical as possible, and I needed to be because this wasn't just my wealth or my family's wealth. This was company wealth, and there were stakeholders whose wealth was also tied up in this process. And I had a responsibility as the CEO to try and do everything in my power to get this released back. But friends, what I didn't appreciate at the time was the anger that was bubbling just below the surface in my life. I didn't realize it at the time, but this is what was happening. Because I couldn't believe that there was this behavior that stemmed out of a disagreement that seemed to be one-sided without considering the feelings of the other parties. It shocked me. I could not believe that people that were engaged in a kingdom culture and mindset could not just operate in the basic values of love, the basic culture of honor and respect towards one another. I could not believe that we were in a situation that was not just holding up wealth, but this was a situation that had decade-long relationships. And when I looked at this, I said, God, if this can happen in a situation like this, this is a much bigger challenge to the body of Christ than I ever imagined. And so I found myself taking on this righteous, and I'm, for those listening on the tape, righteous with inverted commas, righteous indignation. And whenever I saw dishonor and disrespect, something inside of me rose up and I felt like I needed to do something and bring people into the light. Now, friends, I don't think the motivation was wrong. But the way in which I was doing it certainly wasn't very effective. For months, my wife, Belinda, you'll know her, was urging me to say, Dorian, you need to go and see somebody. Something's not right. There's this, there's the shortness within you, and it's not pleasant to be around you at times. And I immediately said, babes, I'm fine. No offense, no bitterness. Money's been released. We're moving on. I'm fine. And it wasn't like I just dissed what she was saying, but I just thought, look, babes, really, this, the front row, I'm transparent with these men. They know my struggles. They know my challenges. They've been in my life. How do you think I've managed to be bitterness-free for the last, you know, two and a half years? But she kept, in a loving way, urging me to deal with what she was so bubbling below the surface. Friends, it reached a critical point. It reached a critical point when a particular moment, family prayer time, 
time which is meant to be special, where we engage with each other, engage with God, and we just celebrate what He has done in our lives. I responded, more like reacted, to something in my son that I perceived as being dishonoring and disrespectful. And that anger, bubbling just below the surface, just erupted. And my son burst into tears. My daughter's eyes became this wide, wondering, who is this man that we love? And I thank God for my wife, Belinda, because in that moment, she just stood up, put herself between me and my boy, and she just said these words. She said, Dorian, your behavior is unacceptable. And then the three of them got up and left the room. My behavior was unacceptable? Well, forgive me for wanting to disciple godliness into my kids. When I last checked, that was my responsibility as a father. And as I was sitting there, in disbelief, feeling very self-righteous, God just whispered these words into my spirit. And he said this, he said, Dorian, if I treated you the way you just treated your son, you wouldn't be here today. And friends, in that moment, I, I had a choice. Do I acknowledge that despite all the ticks and the gold stars that I've been giving myself, I had a problem? And that problem was not drawing people closer to God, but making them wonder who this God really is if He's being reflected in Dorian right now. Friends, the Word of God tells us that faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. And I thank God for Belinda, folks. I thank God for the wife that He's given me because she was able to stand up and say, baby, you've got a problem. Friends, there was nothing righteous about my behavior. Even if the motives might have been, there was nothing righteous about the way I was acting them out. And so I chose to own it, and I admitted that I have a problem with anger. And so I did what Dr. Brendan Belsham suggested we do if we need to, and I made an appointment to see a professional Christian psychologist. And folks, I want to be honest. When I walked in there, I thought, I think this is going to be a waste of time. I did. I, I said, I think it's going to be a waste of time because he's going to go through the normal stuff. Are you bitter? No. Do you have any resentment? No. Okay. I, I, that's what I thought was going to happen. But I said, look, I'm committed to this process. I'm going to be here. I'm going to give it all. And Friends, one hour later, I walked out of his room a broken man, but broken in a good way. Because what God showed me with help from this professional Christian psychologist was that even though I had been very irrational, and very careful not to sin in that two-and-a-half-year process. I had ignored the emotional pain that comes along with something that happens when a lifelong relationship comes to an end. And because I had not had a chance to grieve the loss of what had been so special, I found myself reacting to what I believed had been the course 
of something which had brought it to an end. Friend, once I acknowledged that pain, once I pressed into God and I said, Lord, help me, once I was able to grieve that process, my kids got their father back, Belinda got her husband back. Friends, we need to lean into God. We need to learn how to lean into Him. Not only for our own good, because we need it, but there are those that are relying on us to have healthy souls and to maintain those healthy souls. Let's pray together. Father, Lord Jesus, we thank you that your word is true. We thank you that you're in control. Lord, we know that there is absolutely nothing that we can do in our own strength except make a decision to trust in you. Make a decision to lean into you. So if you hear this morning, And I'm not sure what you're dealing with. Maybe, maybe you're dealing with disappointment. Maybe you're currently dealing with disappointment, saying, God, where are you? I, I, Holy Spirit, what's happening here? Maybe that disappointment has become disillusionment. And you're kind of like, Lord, I don't know how much longer I can carry on for. Don't you care, Lord? Maybe you're in constant hurt and pain. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe you're here today, like me, you're experiencing trigger points that just kind of erupt. It doesn't matter which of those you may find yourself in because I believe God's word for you this morning is this. My son, my daughter, I love you. I care about you. I brought you to this place this morning because I want to touch you. Will you trust me to finish what I've started? Will you choose to lean into me? Will you choose to put your faith in me like you once did before? Will you trust me in my process to give you everything I know you need, not only to survive, but to thrive? Friends, if God has spoken to your heart this morning, if God is challenging you to lean into Him, then will you stand to your feet this morning because I'd like us to pray for you. You don't have to come forward just where you are. Just stand to your feet. If God is saying to you, we're continuing the process. Today we are carrying on. Today we are going to bring that anxiety, that stress, those disappointments. We're going to bring that disillusionment. We're going to bring that pain and we're going to bring that heartache. 
that's you this morning, please stand to your feet. Because we're going to trust God to continue that process that He started. Amen. Folks, if you're seated, could you please look around you? Find somebody close to you. And will you please just go and stand with them? Because we're going to pray the prayer of faith in agreement that God is going to continue to do the work that He started in their lives. Amen. If you're standing for prayer, please raise your hand so people can see those that need prayer. And let's make sure that everybody with their hand raised has got somebody laying a hand on them. So Lord, Heavenly Father, we just thank You that Your promises are true. We thank You, Father, that they are yes and amen. We thank You, Lord, that that good work that You've started, You will bring through to completion. So Lord, right now I pray for courage to lean into You. I pray for the courage to say, Father, I may not get it. I may not understand it. Lord, I don't even feel like it, but I choose this day to lean into You. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. We rebuke the work of the enemy in their lives right now. And we say, Daddy, have your way in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a praise offering, shall we? Please, please stay standing. Please stay standing. One more thing. Please stay standing if you don't mind. One more thing. You may be here today and you've never before leaned into God. You've never before made Him your Lord and your Savior. Or maybe you did it one time, but it, that was a long time ago and a lot's happened since then and you know you're not in the place where you're leaning and trusting in Him. If that's you, will you just quickly just wave your hand and I just want to see if there's anybody here today because if you are, Opa, come on forward, man. Opa's first day here. God knew you needed to be here. Who else? Come on. Come on. Who else needs to be here? Who else needs to be here? Don't leave today, folks, if you have never leaned into God. If you need to be here, run. Run quickly. Because I don't want to leave here without having prayed for you too. Hallelujah. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this man. I thank you that you brought him here today because you had an agenda that you wanted to pick up with him. And so, Father, as he's made a decision to lean into you today, Lord, I pray that you transform his life fully. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen.